Hey there, Austin Oaks Church and visitors. My name is Nima. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, We're finishing up our series, Awake O Sleeper, and we're ending in a really significant and important passage. Um, And I'm going to explain why in just a moment. So if if you got your Bibles and and you're one of those old school people like me, turn with me to Ephesians 6.10 through 24. Uh, Before we even dive into that, uh, before I even give you an overview, I want to ask you a very specific question. And the question is this. Would you ever sign up to be in a war? I think most of us would probably say no, because we know, and I'm not talking about like, oh, I'm, I'm going to sign up for something I believe in and fight for. I'm not talking about why we do it. I'm talking about the, the specifics of going to war, knowing with the images that are conjured in our minds of uh, death and destruction and, and, and destitution and, and everything negative that comes with the consequences of being in a war. Well, the reality is this. If you're a Christian, if you said yes to following Christ, if you said yes to him being your savior, if you said yes to I'm I'm committed to live this life as a Christian, then you also said yes to war. Um, And I know that can be kind of difficult to grasp, knowing, again, what what the negative impacts of war are. Um, I I want to tell you, at least from a secondhand experience, that I've seen um, the ravages of war. Uh, I used to live in a military town um, with several military bases. So there was a highly influential segment of the population that was um, with directly or associated with the military. Um, and so as uh, so the reason why I had this secondhand information, uh, not just as a civilian, but I was also a reporter in news. And so one of the beats I had was in the military. And so I had the privilege of interviewing some of these folks who were in the military and their spouses. And, and let me tell you, um, those were some of the more eye-opening interviews I'd ever been a part of, mo- more some of the most um, unique conversations I'd had ever had in my entire life. And, and, and so, so just in reality, when I would talk to some of these military personnel, these men who, and women who were coming back from war and war-torn areas, uh, the, the interviews were literally gut-wrenching. Uh, when I talked to spouses of um, military personnel who were killed in action, I, again, gut-wrenching. I can tell you, I gained an entirely new appreciation for the military when I lived in this town. And I gained an entirely new um, appreciation for all that they do to protect us. Uh, because I know, just from hearing their stories, how, how challenging and difficult those environments that most of us will never, ever encounter. Now, before you hit stop, before you decide to go on to another sermon that, that, that's going to scratch an itch, that is to say that's going to feel good um, because we have signed up for war and I do need to talk about that. I do need to address that in this. You not only have signed up for war, but you've also signed up for an immeasurable peace. Uh, a peace that is beyond our human comprehension is what scripture says. So I know that's a little contradictory, um, and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to um, I'm going to ex- explain that. Um, but the reality is, is that we're in this situation, we're in this war, that unlike any other war, 
and actually any other thing in life outside of Jesus, we are guaranteed. We have, we're guaranteed to win this war. And you can't say that about any other war. No matter what war it was from what part of history, you cannot say that. Um, but we have this guarantee that we are going to have a victory. And this victory is going to include peace along the way during the battle. And part of the guarantee of this battle is a way for us to stand in the face of adversity. Unlike any other war, we have everything that we need in Christ to win the war. So before we even dive into Scripture today, I want to talk about Ephesians just in general as a whole. You need to understand that this, this letter that Paul wrote is unlike any other letter in that he wasn't addressing specific issues like at the Corinthian church with sexual immorality amongst other things um, or the Philippian church uh, which was dealing with selfishness and selfish ambition or the Galatian uh, church which went wayward um, and and we're, we're looking at a false gospel. This is a general letter to us as a church, as a, as a whole, and it, it's there for an encouragement for us as a church. So this is a unique letter. It's separated from all the other letters that Paul wrote in that way. So Paul wrote this letter to encourage the personal faith of Christians. You see, this, this whole chapter, and specifically this passage in particular, Ephesians 6, 10 through 24, is an application of the entire letter that we've just been going through over the past X amount of weeks. It's application to everything that we have been studying. Look, Paul started by talking about how we are predestined to be adopted sons and, God, uh, sons and daughters of God through Jesus. He, he then goes on to talk about how we're made alive in Christ, that, that we are new creations in Christ. Um, and, and then goes on to talking about being rooted and grounded in love and that we could pray for. And Paul prays for us to, to, to know the immeasurable riches of God's love for us. Then on to the unity of the body where he talks about what we call the fivefold ministry where, Paul, uh, where God gives us, the, gives us uh, pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles. Why? To build up the unity in the faith so that we can mature in Christ. Then on to chapter five where Paul admonishes us and tells us, hey, we need to be imitators of Christ. So to spare us time, I'm gonna gonna emphasize as I go along as I read these first several verses here, uh, 10 through 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This, This war is not about flesh and blood. Although it does play out in the natural, it's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Four times. Four times. Paul is trying to tell us something when he goes into finally... This is an application. What what are we applying? We're applying everything that we just heard through the various chapters in in Ephesians. And he's telling us what to stand. Think about that. When you stand in, in a battle, or think about what would make you fall in a battle when you don't have power, when you don't have the strength. 
But he's saying you have to be able to stand. It's important to stand. Now when we're attacked and in battle, there's always the possibility that you will fall except in this battle, except in this war. If we use what God has given us to stand against our enemy and to defeat our enemy. By the way, when Paul's saying be strong in the Lord, be strong in the Lord, he knows we need God to win this war. He knows more specifically we need God's power to win this war. Um, And you can't make yourself strong for this battle. This isn't like one of those things. I'm going to go to the gym and lift weights for five days this week or run five or ten miles. This this is not something that you can do. You can't get up at 4.30 in the morning and and go to Camp Gladiator, which I would never do. Um, That's a shout-out to our uh, sports and rec ministry, by the way. I I would highly encourage you to get involved in that. Those those people on our staff and um, other people who are involved in that are really fit. Uh, 4.30, that's not for me. I can't do it. Nevertheless, back to the point. God has got to give you strength, and not just one time, and not two times, all the time. In fact, the Greek here speaks of Uh, continuing to allow God to make you strong. It's ongoing. Paul says, in the Lord, makes you strong in the Lord. Our strength comes from being united in Christ to Christ. Again, we're talking about the importance of unity and what we need in God. See, um, Jesus tells us in John 15, 5, that apart from God, you can't do anything. You can do nothing apart from God. So you've got to have this strength for the battle in God. Let's read on. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints." What makes this passage this, this passage different from all the other ones? Let me give you a hint. Who's Paul talking to? Well, think about the previous passages. He was talking to husbands. He was talking to wives. He was talking to slaves, masters. This is different because it's plural. It's not for an individual. It's not for a husband, a father master it's it's for all of us it's plural it, it's it speaks to all of us having to stand firm um, God has created a new humanity and it is unique and different than anything else before neither Jew nor Gentile male nor female slave nor master we're all equal in Jesus Christ we're unified in Christ we're unified together this passage is not in isolation it's not for an individual believer it is for the corporate body of Christ look we all need to put on some of the armor of God no we all need to put on all of the armor of God hear me on this everything that God has achieved for us the enemy wants to tear down and destroy it's really hard for me when I hear people say I love God I love Jesus but man I can't stand the church and 
I'm not trying to make light of this. I get it. I understand why. People have been hurt in the church. Um, they've been undermined. It's just there, there's been difficult solutions. That's the reality of living in this fallen world that we're in. And the primary reason that I can get my hands and head around and my heart around uh, when I think about that and look at, look at that is it's, it's just a lack of unity. Um, it's about, again, it's kind of like the, the Philippian church about our own self-interest. What do I want? It's not about what is best for the body. You can, again, you can never, as Paul talks about uh, to the Corinthian church and it likens the body of Christ to a human body, I can't say, ah, oh, this ear, I don't need it. This finger, this arm, I don't need it. Think about it. Your whole body has to move in unison, in unity, for you to accomplish the task at hand, whatever that may be. If we are knowing that we're in this battle, to live a life worthy of the gospel, it's not a walk in the park. And we clearly see that because we are in a very significant and spiritual battle. So what do we do? We put on the armor of God. Think about this for a second. What do great military leaders do? Well, they strategize, they come up with plans, they have a great game plan, they prepare. They study their enemy. They study their adversary. What do you think your enemy does? What do you think Satan does? He studies you. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows how to get to you. There's going to be opposition, and we can't run or hide from that as much as we might want to. Satan's going to attempt to distort. He's going to attempt to distract from what we're supposed to do. I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says it so simply yet so eloquently. Lewis says we make two mistakes in regards to the devil. We either focus on him too much or we focus on him too little. Know your enemy. That's how you, got to, that's how you have to win. This is the part that many of us forget or worse yet, um, ignore. We have to pull, put on the full armor of God because we are being attacked. The devil is attacking us. <laughs> like it or not. That's just the reality that we live in. And, and he's attacking us far more than most of us are really willing to acknowledge or realize. Remember, Satan wants to destroy God's work. You and I are the work of God. Paul reminds us that we're, what we're up against, it's not, um, it's not human, it's spiritual. Yes, again, it, it plays itself out in the natural world, but it's mostly a spiritual battle, a supernatural battle. So what is armor of God? Let's go through this really quickly because it's, it's really good and important, but I think we can understand it. Um, so when we talk about the belt buckle of truth, it's everything God has told us about himself. He's faithful, he's compassionate, he's loving, he's gracious. He gives us a freedom we've never encountered. We have this breastplate of righteousness uh, which comes through faith in God is what Romans tells us um, in the third chapter where the righteousness of Christ um, and on the feet, this is a really interesting thing. On the feet, we place uh, uh, the gospel of peace. Now, you have to think about this for a second. So Paul, in all likelihood, is being tethered to a Roman soldier. And so he's looking at the soldier as he's describing all of these uh, different attributes of, uh, of the armor of, uh, of God. And one of them is he's seeing the Roman soldier's feet in all likelihood, and he's seeing that the shoes fit him perfectly, and he's ready for battle. In the same way that we're to be ready to uh, have an answer at all times, what Scripture tells us, we're to be prepared to give an answer for the hope, the joy, the love that we have from God. 
We have a shield of faith, which is a trust in God. And the burning arrows here, again, is, uh, it's a reflection of a tactic used at the time where, where soldiers would take the tips of their arrows and shoot them um, and, to, and, and to try and light the shields on fire. By the way, they, just, they typically would take their shields, which were topped with leather, and stick them in water so they wouldn't have the impact. But in this case, what Paul's talking about is the devil's fiery schemes, which is simply uh, just lies, doubt, fear, anything that could cause us to stumble. And what? not stand. Helmet of salvation, which covers our head, our thought life. We need to remember that God saved us from death, that we've been made alive in Christ. This, that's what that's speaking to. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the only thing in the armor of God that doesn't speak of protection, but of attack, right? Um, yeah, the sword of the Spirit, which is the very word of God. Um, uh, with a sword, you have to be really have dexterity for it to be effective. You have to be able to know how to use it and uh, speak those truths. Uh, I think the best example that I can find in Scripture is in uh, Jesus being tempted by Satan in, in, in the desert. What is Jesus, um, uh, what is his retort back to the enemy of our soul? Um, he says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. It is written, do not put the Lord God to your test. So he knows how to use the sword of God. For the sword to be effective, for the entire armor of God to be effective, you have to understand what, what Paul is telling us. This is the gospel. He's telling us to put on the gospel. He's telling us to put on Jesus. He's telling us to, to embrace every single aspect of the Bible. That's what's going on here. Lastly, Paul goes on to say, uh, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. What this simply means is really prayer with, um, uh, with divine help, with all our soul and spirit and heart engaged um, in prayer. It's, it's really a submission um, to, to God's Spirit and say, God, lead me even through my prayers. Let them not be selfish. Let them not be hypocritical. Let, let them not be self-motivated. Let, let it be your Spirit that guides and leads me. And then Paul says something really interesting here. Actually, it's not what he says, it's what he doesn't say. Pray also for me, for, when, uh, for whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What does he not say there? That's the thing that fascinates me the most. Because I think what he doesn't say there is what I would say there. And that if you're honest, you probably would say there too. What I would say there is, hey, get me out of prison, Jesus, please, now. Paul doesn't say that. He's in captivity. And let me tell you for a second. Um, he's in a Roman prison. And I've been to Mamertine prison where, um, where many believe that Paul was. If, if he was there or not, irrelevant to a certain extent. But let me tell you. The prisons, that prison in particular, is literally a hole in the ground. I can't imagine what, what Paul was dealing with, being in a hole in the ground, essentially, in all likelihood. But he doesn't ask to escape from there. He asks God to, and us and the church to pray for him, that, uh, or for the, uh, the first church to pray for him, the church in Ephesus to pray for him, that he would be fearless in his spreading of the gospel through his words. 
Finally, just for time's sake, let's just finish here because this is really important. Verse 24. 23 and 24. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. A direct reference back to chapter 3 when he prays for us to have the, this understanding of the depth of who God is, of the depth of love that he has for us. As a Christian, we have to put on the armor of God that he's given us. We need to. We have to be ready for battle. We have to stand against the attacks of the enemy. Counterattack when necessary with the word of God. And think about it for a second that Jesus didn't lower himself to the devil's standards. He didn't lower himself. He talked about what is written. He didn't go on some weird, torrential, uh, forceful attack in the way that we think of attacking. He attacked with the word of God. He was ready, and we need to be ready too. Hey, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. I just want to pray for us in closing. Um, that we would have the ability to understand the depths of God's love and to put on the armor of God. God, thank you that you give us uh, an armor um, that helps us withstand attacks from the enemy, that helps us to uh, counterattack when we need to. Lord, it's by your strength and by your might that, and, and by your grace that we're able to do this. I thank God for Austin Oaks Church. I thank God for every single person that's listening to this. Um, if there's anyone out there who has made a profession for Christ, uh, lead them in that. I have unequivocally, lead them in that. Um, this, it's the only true life that we can have is being made alive in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.